It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. And Joanne mentioned earlier, it is World Communion Sunday. And so the scripture lesson chosen for this Sunday with a theme that I think fits this day so well, or this day fits the scripture lesson so well, is from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. The epistle, the letter to the Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. World Communion Sunday and throughout God's church around the globe, not everyone, not every denomination, not every group, but many, many, many folk celebrating Holy Communion, acknowledging this to be World Communion Sunday. I think earlier, in an earlier time, we called it Worldwide Communion Sunday, and I still use that term sometimes. So on this day in church buildings of all sizes and shapes, Christians of all cultures and races and denominations and backgrounds and classes will gather around the Lord's table to celebrate Holy Communion, the sacrament of Holy Communion. And as the bread is broken and as the cup is offered, the risen Christ will stand among us. His spirit made known whenever his people observe this holy sacrament. The great prayers of consecration and thanksgiving will be offered in languages around the globe to many to count. An amazing God. Do you ever stop and think about that? I do sometimes. How does, how does God just keep up with everybody? How does God hear all of these prayers and all of these languages? What an incredible, awesome God we serve. Some folk will come and kneel or stand around the chancel rail. Others will be served in their pews. Others will gather in warehouses and schoolhouses and in open fields and under arbors all over the place in all kinds of settings to receive the communion elements. But why is it an important day? It it is a great day. When you stop and think about it, that alone is enough to talk about But why is it an important day and what kind of things does this day say to us? Why do we celebrate a day like today? Let me give a few, maybe three or four short reasons. You may have others. I'd love to hear from you. There may be others from our scripture lesson. But one reason, and I put this one first, maybe it is first. One reason that we celebrate World Communion Sunday is to remind us that God's church is called to be an inclusive group of folk. Too many times, folks, I've seen it across the years, you've seen it in different places and different settings. We're like the guy who said, me and my wife, our son and his wife, therefore, and no more. And uh, sometimes that's our attitude, though we may not say that. We've got to be careful. We have to seek to always be trying to eliminate 
the Noah's Ark kind of thinking that says there's not room for everybody. And we must reacquaint ourselves with the most popular, if that's the right term, best known passage in Scripture, certainly in the New Testament, for God so loved the world. John 3.16. Not just the church. Not just the good folks. Not just the folks who remind us of ourselves. For God so loved the world. And how often... Have we with open arms and open hearts accepted into our fellowship those who see the world a little differently than we do? Those who come from different backgrounds and different places and have different perceptions of how things ought to be. Sometimes churches have, over the years, excluded folks who don't have such a stellar reputation in the community. I'm not sure that happens so much anymore, but I know in some of my little country churches when I was starting out, and I would be bragging on somebody I'd met that I I was really impressed with, and they'd say, yeah, he or she really is a good somebody, but goodness, just be glad you didn't know her daddy. And those kind of reputations will, will go a long way. There's room for her daddy in this church. There's room for her daddy in God's church. We sometimes exclude folks when we're afraid of them or we simply don't understand them. Paul said there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female, there's neither slave nor free, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Where have we lost that along the way? All one in Christ Jesus. World Communion Sunday reminds us, be careful about who we close out of the circle. Be careful that we understand God's great love. I can say it's so simple that I try to make it complicated sometimes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, on those two, hang all the law, all the commandments, all the prophets. (laughs) And we make it so difficult sometimes. Another reason we celebrate World Communion Sunday is it will broaden our vision if we'll allow it. It's easy to become nearsighted. I don't mean physically nearsighted. I've wrestled with that all my life. But to act as if the world revolves around us or our families or our community or our church or our nation instead of remembering that God so loved the world. It's easy not to have any concern. It's easy to shut out things that are sort of beyond our usual places where we spend our time and where we spend our lives. And we're called to look beyond that, to broaden our vision, to widen our perspective, to look for those folks who worship differently than we do, yet worship the same God. It's a good time to think about as United Methodist. And we face some difficult days in the months and years to come. And I get frightened sometimes, but I know God is with us, and I believe God has much for us to do in this world. But our connectionalism, our being attached to every other United Methodist Church on the planet through the way we do things and the way we're organized, it's a good time to think about that, to celebrate that, to pray that God will help us to hold that together. 
it's also a good time to think about our ecumenism, and that is a way of saying the way we get along with other Christians in this world, the way we cooperate with other churches and other denominations and other groups. I think we're doing pretty well here. We have those beautiful Lenten lunch services, and in other ways we come together, and I've enjoyed getting to know some of my colleagues in this community, but we're always looking for ways that we can strengthen our bonds And as we find ways to cooperate, it makes us all stronger. It doesn't make one group weaker and one group stronger. It makes us all stronger and more effective when we can get along with one another and find a common purpose and common goals. It's an excellent time today to ask God to increase our vision, to broaden our perspectives. And another reason we celebrate is that it helps us here to pull together as Christian people. It gives us a foretaste of the glory to come, the unity that will be ours in the kingdom of heaven, not broken as it sometimes gets to be here on this earth, but a way to be together where all our differences will, will fade or either they won't make such a difference. The forces of evil in this world manifest themselves in so many ways and they're quite obvious I mean, who couldn't make a list of the way they are at work right now? But as we pull together, as we find strength and encouragement in one another, to use Martin Luther's expression, the forces of evil, their doom is sure. It's guaranteed. But we can't do it on our own, and we can't do it just as one group amidst many. And another reason, one more reason, that we celebrate World Communion Sunday, I believe it can cause us to minimize our differences and maximize our similarities. Paul, I believe, is saying that in our scripture lesson for today. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Think about those things. He's saying all those things we have in common that really matter. And then start to think about those things that divide us, and they're often so puny and so small. And we make something big out of them. We make something terrible. One God and Father of us all who is above all and through all and in all. And when I read that passage from Paul and started thinking about it, I came up with the top five list that sort of grew out of that. And um, see if any of these things are things you may have thought about. This passage says to me there's not just one way to worship. There are many ways to worship our awesome God. Sometimes we break it down in traditional and and contemporary. Sometimes we use other language. We talk about, Frederick Bigner talks about a pontifical high mass or a holy roller happening in a small country church. It's worship if God is our focus. And I don't think I've told you this story here, perhaps. Well, I did at 8.30 this morning, but... uh, it's a worship story that I heard years ago, the one of those that sort of stuck with me and I like. It was at an Episcopal cathedral in New York City. And it was a high holy day and everyone was in their vestments, their robes, everything was just decked out to the fullest. And it was last century and one of the famous actresses from last century was in that church on that day, Tallulah Bankhead. I don't know if that name rings any bells, so you have to look it up. It's an, she... Well, it's been a while. But she was in church that day, and she was sitting on the aisle. And when they started the processional and the choirs and the pastors were coming down the aisle, 
the senior pastor guy had all these beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous vestments. And he had the censer within the thing that he would swing back and forth, that the incense would be diffused throughout the church. And as he walked down the aisle, Tallulah Bankhead reached out, grabbed his robe, and she said, beautiful gown, darling, but your pocketbook's on fire. <laughs> no danger of that here. We don't, we don't do, but worship is, comes in lots of different ways, and people react differently. There's no one right way. There's not just one version of Scripture. When I served a smaller church in Milledgeville, Georgia, several years ago, a woman came up to me and she said, I've got an aunt who's not going to come to church here. I said, okay, tell me why. She said, because we don't always use the King James Version of the Bible. I said, oh my, I'm sorry, we won't have a chance to get to know her. Uh, And we do use it sometimes, but we use lots of other translations too, and so um, I'm... I'm sorry, I missed her. I have to catch her, hopefully, in heaven one of these days. There's not one form of church government. We all, we have different ways of doing it. And we have to work out what works best for us. We are an Episcopal system. We have a bishop who makes appointments. And we have a system of government that's set up by our general conference or our book of discipline. But it's not the only way to do things. Not one holy day. Some folk worship on Saturday or Saturday night or sometimes throughout the week. And I've had folks say to me Sunday morning, I just can't be there because of other obligations. I wish you offered something throughout the week, something else. And this one I think is important right now. Maybe it's always important. There is room in the church for more than one socioeconomic political point of view. God's love is bigger than all of our differences. And there's a place for all of us in God's church. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are differences among individual Christians. There are differences in denominations. One example would be, and it's not so much as it used to be, I don't think, but in our tradition, we pretty much believe God has given us free will. There have been other traditions who believed in predestination to some extent or another, So this story may not be completely fair, but understand the spirit in which it's told about the Presbyterian guy who fell down a flight of stairs, got up, dusted himself off, and said, thank the Lord, that's over with. (laughs) We can allow, if we're not careful, the little things to cause us to be out of sorts and to come between us and to divide us and the big things we overlook. And Paul would remind us, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. Can we cling to that on this day? And can we realize that the little things that divide us can be overcome by the larger things that ought to hold us together? In a few moments, we're going to gather here and we're going to offer the prayer of thanksgiving. We're going to celebrate Holy Communion. All of you are invited. And as we gather around this table, if we can visualize folk in all kinds of settings, all around the globe, in all kinds of languages, doing the exact same thing we're doing, and how pleased God must be with that. Why don't we pray that even more than ever before, we might be one in the Spirit and one in the Lord living out our call 
in these difficult days with the power of an amazing God around us and behind us and before us, we'll be okay. Amen.